0: Greetings, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Communication Guru Podcast, where we believe it's not always what you say, but how you say it that matters. I'm your host, Tim McMurtry, President and CEO of Tim McMurtry International LLC, a business consultancy specializing in personal development and training, government and public affairs, along with corporate and community relations. I'm delighted to have you join us here today, and thank you for your listenership and viewership of this show. Our aim on this platform is to discuss the nuances and insights relative to the communication continuum and to help you maximize the impact and results of effective communication in your various spheres of influence. Be it your business, be it your family, be it your relationships or wherever you find yourself engaging with others. We're here to help you to become a top notch communicator. So be sure to like, subscribe to and share this podcast the communication guru podcast the communication guru podcast one more time the communication guru podcast so that you can be notified when new episodes are released and available for public consumption now we've all heard the adage that music is the universal language Meaning that no matter your race, color, creed, religion, gender, sexual orientation, age or any other correlative identifier that you have assigned to yourself or has been assigned to you, music can move you. Not only can it move you, it can also serve as the central thread in a fabric of musical tapestry that weaves you together with other people strangers even, in a melodic utopia at any given time. (laughs) Bars. A great example of the power and universal appeal of music is the global phenomenon birthed during the COVID-19 pandemic by DJ D-Nice with his club quarantine musical sets. Back in 2020, March of 2020, I should say, at the onset of the pandemic, and related stay-at-home orders as part of the International Public Health and Safety Protocols implemented worldwide, D. Nice provided a safe space from his home for thousands of people across social media, Instagram in particular, during his live Instagram sets. These sets would go on for hours. They would stretch as far as nine hours in length, and people from around the world were able to get a bit of joy and normalcy in the midst of what was certain uncertainty. And so what we want to do is kind of delve a bit deeper into the world of music and its impact. And to explore this and its existential power as a communication tool, I'm excited to have on our show today a very, very special guest. He's a national recording artist, a multi-instrumentalist, a mixtape legend. A rapper, songwriter, band leader, all around good dude, and friend. I want to introduce to some and present to others the often imitated, but never duplicated, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel D.H. I get
1: Harris as show. What's up, <laughs> What's brother? Going, no. What's going, no. You got how it, are you man. Doing, sir. Blessed and
0: increasing, pal. How about yourself?
1: Man, I cannot tell you, uh, how humbling of an honor it is to see how you are blossoming and flourishing and using your, uh, your voice and your platform. You know, uh, what people fail to realize is that this is your personality. On the mic and off the mic. <laughs> this is you, Facts. man, and I respect the consistency Facts. of you. You know Thank what I'm saying? You, man. So Thank just you. continue to do it. I'm very proud of you.
0: I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I appreciate that shout-out, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to be as authentic as possible. And what you see is what you get. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, you dig it. If you yeah. don't, that ain't my problem. So I got right. to be me, and I'll let you be you, that's and we that. can go on ahead with our lives, that's you know. So good looking out, man. Yeah. Good to have you on the show. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So tell us a bit about, man, how you got started with music. What kind of drew you in
1: from the outset? Um, I think I had a, a melting pot experience, rather, with my mother being so heavily involved in the Pentecostal movement. I had the gospel roots there, uh, but my father wasn't necessarily into church, so... I had a lot of like a blues background with him, blues and soul background with him. Even now, I prefer to listen to that music more than the music that I actually create. So uh, for me, I love classic gospel from my mom's side, like the O'Neill twins, James Cleveland, the Caravans. And those are the things that I would hear my mother playing. But then uh, the Hawkins family commission, the Winans, you know, that stuff was played, you know, on my mother's end. But then I would get in my dad's uh Pontiac and he would be playing like the Jimi Hendrix experience, Bobby Blue Bland, Coco Taylor. So that was very instrumental. And then, you know, I come from a family of musicians and singers that are, you know, known around Milwaukee and, you know, the Midwestern region. So uh we grew up in a house where... It was a lot of instruments in the house. And by me being the youngest, you know, you don't want your little brother tagging along all the time, man, you know. So what wound up happening, honestly, is that I wound up being left at home a lot with the instruments. And so music really became like not only a second language, but it became my best friend at that point.
0: A second language, a best friend.
1: Now, when you saw the instruments, you know, kind of around the crib, Mm -hmm. and you were kind of
0: naturally kind of gravitating toward them because they were part of your environment... Mm -hmm. Did you sign up for like music lessons, or you just learned to play by ear? And I just learned to
1: play by ear. Yeah. Wow!
0: What was the first instrument that you learned?
1: Uh, lead guitar.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: My dad had a, a old school Arbor guitar that was shaped like a, a like a five point star, almost like it looked like Bootsy Collins' bass, okay. <laughs> but it was like a, a lead guitar. And so, um, I would sit there and like pick notes apart. But what I was doing was I was more so uh, tuning my ear into the melody. So that's how I kind of learned. I was listening to the melody of the lead singer, and I would mimic what the lead singer was singing on the instrument. Mm -hmm. So that's how I learned how to, like, pick apart notes. And then later on, my sister, she needed a, a bass player for the family band. They was opening up for Yolanda Adams and Fred Hammond and, you know, a bunch of people early on. My cousin Paul Bracey. Was the original bass player for the family band? It was called Power Unit, okay. and um, I think he wound up like getting involved in like school real heavy. So I wound up picking up the bass guitar from there. Was it difficult
0: to transition Mm -hmm. from, you know, your lead guitar chops Mm -hmm. to the bass? I know there's both string instruments, so they have some similarities, but was it hard to transition over to it? Or were you hearing and picking apart the same kind of melodies from these different instruments?
1: Well, I was intentional. Once I knew that I wanted to make that transition, I started to become uh, intentional about what I was listening to. So it was like for the melody part, you know, I learned the lead, but then I started to listen to the, uh, the bass players that were very prominent in the African American music culture that kind of created a sound for our people. Kind of like Bootsy Collins, because he was in James Brown and Parliament. I started listening to Larry Graham, who was a part of like Sly and the Family Stones, you know, learning those slap techniques. I went and did some um, later on. I wound up doing like some seminars with uh, Victor Wooten, wound up picking up stuff from like Stanley Clark, Marcus Miller. So I started being the like, yeah, 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 because I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I- and do it to the best of my ability, then I have to learn from the best. And then I also had a personal relationship with a friend of ours, a childhood friend of ours. His name was Tim Williams, Tim Biz Williams. And uh, he was one of the best bass players that came out of Milwaukee. Played for Angie Stone, played for P. Diddy, played for Usher. And at one point, him and my sister were uh, engaged. So he was at the house, like, regularly, you know what I mean? Like them. Yeah, so... um, I didn't realize my capacity to learn things right away until I asked Tim, because he was so cold with, like, his placement, where he would put stuff. It wasn't what he was doing. It was where he was putting it in the music. I'm like, Tim, why don't you show me some stuff? He showed me one thing. He's like, I'm not showing you nothing else. You learn stuff too fast, bro. Like, (laughs) like, (laughs) I'm not showing you nothing else, man. So... He wound up giving me a lot of, uh, like CDs. Uh, he gave me some eight ball and MJG, DJ quick, wow. you know, to start picking out, being intentional about picking out the bass So I spent a lot of time, like, sitting there doing ear training and not realizing I was doing that.
0: Now that piece right there, I had a my, my auntie Queen Victoria Kelly, And mm-hmm. lead the the Wisconsin State you know Youth Choir. Oh yeah, okay,
1: phenomenal yeah. vocal.
0: Yeah, template for them too. Really? Yeah. So growing up, you know, in and around the church, mm. you know, choirs and all that kind of stuff was a mm. big deal, and I was kind of a you know not. In the choir all the time because I was out somewhere (laughs) writing the need, (laughs) no whooping. (laughs) But but one of the things that she would always emphasize was you know, this is your key, this is your key. So for singers, it's like, okay, how do you stay on key? Particularly if you're singing with somebody that's cold, doing runs and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. How do you not dip into their key and get off key from Mm -hmm. you? So for a musician, from the instrument standpoint, Mm -hmm. is that a similar type of deal? How are you able to isolate Mm -hmm. the sounds that you were listening to and kind of bifurcate or separate them
1: from all the other sounds that that was going on simultaneously? Yeah, that's a really good question. At first, I didn't know how to differentiate where I was and where the pocket was. And it wasn't until I got older and I started playing at Faith Builders International Ministries. You know, that's when Danny Gokey was the praise and worship leader. And we had a a guitar player named Def Santiago. He plays with uh, Micah Stampley. And played it like in sync and all type of stuff. Yeah, but they played, you know, on the team on Sundays. And I remember being on stage and I'm doing all my licks. I'm talking about, I'm trying to break the strings off this thing every five seconds. I'm going off. And Def was like, he stopped me in the middle of rehearsal and kind of pulled me to the side. I'll never forget this. He said, Hey, man, what you're doing is good. But he said, Music is like a conversation. You don't want to overstep your boundaries in the course of the conversation. You want to be able to say something and then give room for the other person to say something. He said, and that's what makes it palatable musically, is when you're not all over the place, but when you can be in the pocket, come out the pocket, and then go back. So that was something that I had to learn. Another thing that I learned when I went to Milwaukee High School of the Arts, I had a um, teacher named Mr. Gribble. And Mr. Gribble, very accomplished jazz pianist, and he said, sometimes the pauses in the music conversation is just as important as the music itself. Mm -hmm. And so I learned placement from those situations as a musician, and I think that definitely played into a part in how I rap as well. 'Cause it's not what I'm saying, it's how I'm saying it, and then I'm giving you the pause to kind of like, you know, digest what I said. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's very it's like a lot of intentionality
0: yeah. put into
1: it. Wow. I mean, I think that, that that that's
0: man, making the correlation between music and communication, mm-hmm. what you just described was very poignant. Mm-hmm. Music is like A conversation and you don't want to overstep. Like somebody's talking, don't always, but but then, then, Jonka, let me, can I finish my thought? Shut up until I get finished talking. This is a dialogue, not a monologue. And when I'm done, that'll be your turn. Until then, zip it. And that pause piece, the cadence to let things kind of, Sink in. I just said something profound or played something profound. Yeah. Let it bite for a minute. Yeah. And then I'll go ahead and pick that back yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. That right there, man, <laughs> is powerful. Yeah. What kind of discipline does it take? And when you were talking about, you know, you was kind of killing the game. I was thinking about Kyrie Irving coming down, patting that pill, going between mm-hmm. his leg, crossing you over, you know yeah. what I'm saying, shaking and baking. And that sounds like what you were doing musically. Mm-hmm. So for the person that is musically inclined, you know, they're very, very talented and they can, hey, this joker is, he will get unleashed on you. Mm-hmm. What kind of discipline does it take? Humility, too. One, to have somebody kind of check you in, in a, mm-hmm. you know, in a nice kind of a way without yeah. you. Oh, who are you talking to? Oh, you just man? suck mm-hmm. a pipe down. So the humility and the discipline that it takes, one, to be able to receive constructive criticism, mm-hmm. and then the discipline to when you are in a part of a song that you know you can murder. But yeah, I'm going to yeah. stay in pocket because I'm, cause I'm part the of the group, right. you know. Yeah. What kind of humility and discipline does it take to be able to do that on a consistent basis until it becomes kind of second nature to you mm-hmm. to play in that kind of style and go off kind of time, to time yeah. but not be a perpetual go-offer?
1: Oh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. These are really good questions, too. I would say one thing is you made a reference to basketball earlier, right? Um, about Kyrie coming down, shaking, and doing all of that. Well, let's make another reference to basketball. Do you remember the time when Allen Iverson crossed Michael Jordan? Uh That move? Yeah. It was something that people were not – like, they weren't expecting it. Mm -hmm. It was definitely spur of the moment, and it was something that people thought was impossible, right? And that's what made it impactful. I never want to get to the point where I think – that I am the absolute best at what I do because there is somebody who is somewhere either in the city or outside of the city that's putting in that work And if you think that you're just going to come up on stage and just be like the king of the moment, and you think that somebody is not equally as hungry as you, that's not putting in just as much work as you, that's not as driven, that's not as passionate, you can get embarrassed at any moment in time, man. So that helps you to stay. Yeah, you can get crossed over. Yeah. And I've had those situations, you know, very humbling situations where you think you're going to get up. And somebody that's like a no name, quote unquote, mm-hmm. somebody that's not, you know, one of the cats, you know, in the city, get up there and smoke your boots off. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to take my ball and go home. <laughs> I don't really feel like playing today. You know, I know what, what I'm like, saying? What? You know, I, you know, I was just tripping. I'm going to go to the crib. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> when people weren't looking and just because they don't have the same notoriety doesn't mean that they're not, not working equally as hard. You know what I'm saying? The other thing, too, is that, um, I'm a team player. You know, I I'm blessed to have a whole team of musicians that are better than me in my band. All of the musicians in my band are better musicians than me. And that makes me a better musician yeah, cuz yeah. I know at any given time if Bruce feel like going off, he's going to have a moment. Yeah. If if the glove the assassin over there feel <laughs> feel like having a moment, <laughs> it ain't nothing you could do about that dog. Then you got a little animal in the back, you know. what I'm saying like you know when he get his solos, he going all the way yeah. to the moon with it. Hey, so, shout
0: out shout out your band members right quick, yeah, man. Hey, shout out
1: to uh, the next level band, my family, Chris Finley Jr., uh, the drummer uh, Bruce Furlow on keys, and uh, Minister Michael Kelly on lead guitar. And let me just
0: interject this part in for the listening audience. Hey, I done saw the band live more than once. And and they are fire. Yeah. Chris is the little animal on the drug, just going crazy. Remember like the Muppets, the animal just going? That's Chris. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 the bass player, guitar cut, bass cut. Hey man, he's playing with gloves on. Yeah, man. Gloves, yeah. literal gloves. I'm talking about gloves you can change a car engine in. And he is killing it. <laughs> going going off oh, keyboard off. got melodies yeah. then you got dh the front man yeah. looking around at them jokers <laughs> going crazy yeah. doing his thing as well out here serving yeah, you know, awesome man. jokers yeah. you know what i'm saying so uh big ups bad yeah. you know what i'm saying you guys are the truth thank and, you and uh man. shout out shout out to y'all yeah. speaking of out here serving man one of your biggest hits a local favorite here in these Milwaukee streets, you know, you have the t-shirts, the merchandise, et cetera, surrounded. around it. What was the genesis of that? And what does serving and having impact and engagement with the community mean to you?
1: Man, you know, servanthood is really the way that uh, my notoriety grew, it, not just locally, but nationally, man. I'll start with it from the local perspective. I've always had a heart for my community, but I never really knew uh, what my role was. I think where confusion happens often in our community is that you have people who are trying to be in other people's lane and gain popularity off of it. But it's like if you check not only what your purpose is, but the intention behind your purpose, it'll help you to stay in the right lane. And I found my lane by serving the community through various community initiatives, um going into the Milwaukee pu- public school systems and doing speeches and sharing my life story with the kids, which makes it relatable, you know, when I get up and do my music. I have gone into various communities and I've done uh, community cleanups, you know, around Milwaukee, not to be seen, but to be effective. And by me being effective, it made such an impact that people were like just drawn to what I was doing. And so for me, I've served in various capacities in my life. I've served in the community. I serve God. I serve my family to the best of my ability. And I've also served time in the streets and behind the wall you know so serving has different uh meanings to me uh based on what part of my life you're referring to and so yeah being involved in the community in various ways you know uh, i was a part part of a call team where when murders happen in the community like they had a community call team where we would show up on the scene and pray for the family, see if they needed food, see if they needed any kind of, you know, things to kind of assist in that moment, you know, in those very vulnerable moments that people have lost someone tragically due to gun violence or senseless crimes or whatever it may have been. So wherever I found myself, I always look for the opportunity to serve. And um on a national level, I would go do these showcases, these artist showcases, and I would show up early. And I would ask, and I would be featured on these showcases. It was Las Vegas, Chicago, down south somewhere uh, in the southern market. And I would ask the person that invited me to come and do the showcase, like, hey, what time does it start? And they would say, like, okay, it started at 7 o'clock. I would show up probably, like, 7 to help set up. And they would be like, hey, man, ain't you on the thing? I'm like, yeah, but I'm... Yeah, but I'm here to help, though. Do you need help breaking down after this is done? That's how I built my relationships with, like, Lachelle Crump and different promoters that are heavy with, like, John P. Key. Yeah, man, it's because I would show up and help before I got on stage to actually minister.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's been an effective tool for you in terms yeah, of a door opener, right. mm-hmm. serving first, yeah. and then mm-hmm. reaping you know benefits on the back
1: end. Yeah, because you know the word clearly says if you want to be the greatest, you have to be the greatest servant. So I just really took that to heart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> don't breathe
0: don't breathe don't breathe don't breathe don't breathe don't breathe <laughs> we're gonna have some service over here he's going to the word over. <laughs> word yeah. up man yes, hey can sir. you share a little bit then man about you know some of the challenges of the time of you know the current incarceration yeah. and what helped you well one you know whatever you want to divulge yeah. on how it happened mm-hmm. and then more importantly how you bounced back from it and didn't let that define who you are. Just a moment in time and experience that I went through on my journey yeah. to, you know, success and becoming the fullness of who I was created to be.
1: Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, you will be able to see a bit of that in the documentary. Um they're currently doing a, a documentary, Neo Soul Productions, with Sister Lysandra, um, and Beverly Taylor, formerly of uh, Fox 6 News. Yeah. They doing a, a story about how my rights were taken um, for me not to be able to vote. And it's called Suppressed by Design. Yeah. And it's coming out in June. Um, Matter of fact, we recently, I don't mean to cut you off,
0: we okay. just recently, uh, our first. Uh, African-American mayor, Mayor Cavalier yeah, sure. Johnson, yeah, mayor Johnson. Um, you know, just recently had his election mm-hmm. and I saw a post that you had like, yeah. hey, this was taken away from me having yeah. voted the first time in yeah. XYZ and yes, yeah, so that's what this was kind of was, uh, was about. Yeah. 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 Sure. So shout out Mayor Johnson. Shout out Mayor Johnson. Shout out to you as well for getting your vote piece now that you go ahead and continue your story.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so they're doing a, a story called Suppressed by Design uh, and I'm included in that. Um. One of the things that I did, although I was brought up around a mother who was not just in the church but was very active in uh, her Christian walk away from the church, Um, I had uh, certain elements around me that influenced me, whether it was family members or, you know, being brought up on the north side of Milwaukee in a place that was really like the neighborhood was very gang-affiliated and drug-infested, you know what I'm saying? So after a while, you know, you go outside, you get to see anything. And I was very intrigued on how, when I was younger, I made an observation like, man, it seems like the people in the streets are prospering more than the people at the church. So, yeah. What's up with this paradox? Yeah, yeah. So, I I just kind of got involved in some things very early on. And uh, there were some crimes that I committed uh, that I was, uh, you know, sentenced for. I created—well, I— did those crimes when I was 14, 15, 16. I stayed on the run from the time I was 16 to 18, and then I was sent away from the time I was 18 uh, for four years. Yeah. Um, during that time, that's actually where I gave my life to Jesus Christ, was in solitary confinement. I was doing 60 days in there, and uh, I was in doing 23-on-1. And um, that's twenty three
0: hours in one hour out for daylight
1: to breathe and then go back into the solitary confinement, yeah, okay, yeah. wow, and I did that. I did that three times, and each time it was anywhere between sixty and hundred and twenty days, and um, that's where I gave my life to to the Lord at but, um when I returned in o seven, it was a lot of my rights were taken away, actually, my p o told me at one point, like you know, uh, we weren't expecting you to last for. Thirty days out here, I'm like, wow, really? Thanks for the vote of confidence. You know, I appreciate, appreciate the, support. the support. right? Yeah. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know, man. Um, I was also told that uh, I could not be seen 100 feet within a voting site, or else I would be revocated for that. Is
0: that right?
1: Yeah. Now, was that for a certain period of time? That was during the, the sunset, time period where or? I was on extended supervision. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well,
0: two things, man. There were uh, on, on that point on the solitary confinement. I know that from the 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 law enforcement or penal institution standpoint, this is the way to really you know stick it to you know the the the, the inmate, and I'm just putting you in solitary confinement, put you by yourself. So in one side of things, depending Mm -hmm. upon one's mental and intestinal fortitude and constitution, Mm -hmm. it could break them. Others, Mm -hmm. it can Joker, that was almost the best thing that y'all could have did for me because it forced me to Mm -hmm. go to my creator and do this inward, you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. manifestation. Thinking about the Apostle John, Mm -hmm. he was in solitary confinement at the island of Patmos in the oh, Bible. Oh, so that's and, where we're going. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. and wrote the whole book of Revelation. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I ain't going to tell you you doing me a favor. I'm going to act like, man, don't take me to solitary confinement. Don't take me there, man. You got to go there. Okay, this, this, this While I'm in there, Joker, yeah, wrote I can revelation. feast in the spirit. He wrote the whole book of Revelation yep. in solitary confinement right. so he can have his benefits. And it sounds like you kind of tickled some of that yeah. element while you were enduring that, you know, as, as, as well, man, what was the key for you to unlock that? Would you say that it was the seed That, you know, your mom had planted into you knowing that, hey, there is a God out here. I just might not be walking as close with him as I should be, but I know he's there. Or was it something
1: else that sparked your reconnection and rebirth? It was a mixture. It was definitely a mixture of things. Even before then, I would be in the middle of doing something and I would literally, in the spirit, hear my mother praying. When I was in the middle of doing stuff that I know I shouldn't be doing, I could, like, hear her in my ear, like, praying. Yeah, like, praying. And I'm like, okay, let me, let me kind of, you know, revert a little bit to doing something else. But uh, it was also, I think the the writer Charles Dickens said it best. It was the best of times and the worst of times. The worst thing that they could have done for me, they gave me time to think. They gave me some time to recalibrate, reset, refocus, and readjust my perspective on some things. I'm like, okay, so then I know that if I continue to do what I'm doing, I'm going to keep getting what I'm getting. So then how about I take this same energy and pour it into my purpose? Because it was like, it was never that I was unaware of what my purpose was. I was intentionally running away from it because of the responsibility that I knew that came with walking that purpose out. You know what I'm saying? So uh I was, at, in a certain sense, I was afraid of my own potential at points. So it's like, okay, so then let me do something completely different, what they're not expecting me to do, and that's actually walking this thing out. And so it didn't happen overnight. It happened over time, you know? And so uh one of the things why, that I did while I was not necessarily in solitary, but while I was in GP, um I asked. Yeah, I asked my father to send me my bass guitar. It Goes back into the music, and so when I came out, the reason why people were so surprised that I was playing on the level that I was playing is because I was developing that skill in a dark place. Right. I think one of the most beautiful things, the most beautiful processes, is the fact that a picture you could look at a picture, but you know one of the old school ways of developing the picture was in a dark room. That's that's what God did with my life, man. People see in the full picture now, but they don't know that that process happened in a Ooh. dark room. man. Yeah. That yep. being
0: said, and the dark room having the ability to bring out, mm-hmm. to manifest, to uh, photosynthesize. Yeah one's full potential how can people particularly since we're kind of hopefully on this tail end of the pandemic mm-hmm. and it might have been dark for some folks mm-hmm. how would you recommend people um, for lack of a better phrase embrace the darkness they might find themselves in mm-hmm. for the purpose of bringing out the best in them what would be some keys to that instead of just being depressed mm-hmm. and man woe is me mm-hmm. how do you would you recommend folks flip the script on that? And I'm in this dark place right now, yeah. but I'm going to use it for my advantage.
1: Absolutely. One thing for sure, two things for certain, and I can tell you from my own personal experiences, God wouldn't bring you to it if he couldn't bring you through it. Mm-hmm. That's that's number one. If he brought you into this dark place, then there's a reason why you're there. Um, people often refer to the scripture and in in the Bible where Jesus was tested in the wilderness by the devil. Right. They all they always kind of refer to that one part of that passage, Pastor Tim, that I, f- I think people fail to see because, you know, this is folk that read the Bible is that it says that God led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Like, wait, why would God lead you there if he knows you're going to be tempted? Because he also knows that everything he instilled inside of you is more than enough to overcome the person that's going to tempt you. You know, and uh, the other thing is when you know your identity, you won't be shaken by circumstance. When you know who you are, you know, it's very difficult for people to shake you and tell you who you are not, what you are incapable of accomplishing. It's very hard for people to shake you when you know who you are and you know why you're here, you know. And purpose being the thing that you do the greatest with the least amount of effort, when you know that that purpose is connected to your identity and, um, and you find yourself in that dark place, it's very, uh, it's very natural for you to turn to, Turn to God for that direction, for that uh, confirmation, for that verification, you know, like you're going in the right direction. Just keep going through it. That's the beautiful thing about the passage that say, Yay, though, I walk through the valley. That's not a place for you to stop. stop. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's built for you to go through it, not for that to be a place where you reside, but a place that you, you know, uh, righteously go through and overcome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um and I think the other part, too, is being aware of who you have around you. Yeah. Like, who is actually uh, coming to make sure you are okay in that dark place? Who's actually making sure that um, that you have the support that's necessary to make it out of that dark place? You know, um, if you find yourself in that dark place by yourself... Um, just be mindful of that when you come out of it and back into a place of you know uh, enlightenment, if you will. Yeah. Because then, when people see you shining, you'll know who to rock with and who not to rock with. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So those are some of the things I've learned through my own personal experience about that dark place. No, that's
0: good stuff, man. And thanks for sharing. Just got a couple more questions for it, and I'll let you go ahead and roll. Okay. Um, one of them, speaking on on this piece, mm-hmm. there was a um the the the, the paradox mm-hmm. of you know music bring so much joy to people. You know, we talked about, you know, D nice a little bit earlier in his club quarantine and everybody just rock with it during the dark time in society on a global scale with the pandemic. But when I look at, you know, uh, I, 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 I love music you know, two, and mm-hmm. maybe not quite the connoisseur that you are. It might not quite all the way be in my DNA, but right. it's on them chromosomes yeah. and mitochondria somewhere yeah. <laughs> in the mix, though. You know what I'm saying? That's a yeah. fact. Yeah. And so when I look at the, and I'm also a history buff, so I like, yes, you know, sir. historic periods, different mm-hmm. periods of time, you know, throughout the history of mankind. So mm-hmm. on the musical landscape, mm-hmm. you have folks like um, just the different legends of music, and I'll just go even over the last 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. That although they housed this gift and superior ability in them. Mm-hmm they seem to have, you know, left the earth, you know, too early. And who comes to mind? You know, you got Michael Jackson, Prince, Marvin Gaye, yeah. Elvis Presley, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, yeah. Whitney Houston, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Otis Redding, Sam mm-hmm. Cooke, Donny Hathaway. I mean, yeah. legends yeah. Yes, that although they brought so much life and joy mm-hmm. to others, I mean, yeah. still today,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's like, huh? what, was, what was y'all going through mm-hmm. that had you guys, you know, kind of pass away? Prematurely you yeah. know from the outside looking in Definitely. what what is some of what is some of that? is that some of that they didn 't have anybody checking in on their dark place or mm-hmm. what, what what would you describe uh, you don't have you don 't have a crystal ball, but yeah. what would you as a musician as one that you know is in that creative genre, the one that 's able to transpose feelings mm-hmm. from you to mm-hmm. others to yeah. impact them impact me? Mm-hmm. What was going on with all of them man what what is that
1: one thing one one thing that kind of strings them all together is is this one of the most dangerous things that you can have in your corner when you are notably successful and notably great at something that you're doing in the music industry is yes man uh, it's one of the most detrimental okay. things you can have in your corner. I would rather have one solid Accountability partner than 10 yes men. Yeah, somebody that'll say, Hey, you're going too that's far. Gonna keep it 100 yeah, with you yeah, no matter what. You have to, man. You know, if you have people around you that are only there for the ride, but really don't care about your well being, that's dangerous. Because at some point, you're, you know, when you have those kind of people around you, it's like uh, flying an airplane with no wheels. It's good while it's in the air, right? But how at some point, down? when Ooh. you come down, it's a crash. Man, it's gonna be nasty, and that's how Otis Redden died, right? Exactly. Plane crash. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Stevie Ray Stevie too. Ray Vaughan too. Yeah, it's because like you know, it's only so long that you can stay number one and when you do there's ways for you to kind of still you know position yourself to remain influential but man if you have those yes men around you they're gonna be the ones that's going to say yes go ahead you know you could take you know you could take a hit you could take a hit of this take a little sip of that still, you know all, good. still yeah, it's all, all good Still all good yeah not knowing that you falling apart the whole time yeah. you know I uh I have a am not going to say his name but I have a very um close musical associate, and uh, he's an older guy. He's written some stuff for, like, Marvin Cease, like, blues legends, you know, Bobby Rush and stuff like that. And I asked him how did he get into, you know, using cocaine because he didn't come out of that kind of environment, came out of a church environment and everything. And he said, man, we would be in the studio trying to do shows, you know, recording music. And he said, one minute it's like you take a little hit of this. Next thing you take a hit of that, next thing you know it's hitting you. I'm like, oh,
0: man, I'm
1: like, yeah. So having those accountability partners around you as you continue to grow is essential. And also, man, being aware how to say no. You have to be comfortable saying no to certain things. I've sat down. People ask me why I've been independent for so long. I've had those opportunities come from Universal Records or Atlantic Records where we sat down and I literally had an offer given to me where it was more than a quarter million. Okay. Where It was like, major? yeah, yeah. And me and my guy, JT, you remember JT, the keyboard player? We sitting down talking in Atlanta with Atlantic A&Rs and they're saying like, you know what? We love the music. We see that you're building momentum, but you're saying Jesus a lot. And your music, I'm thinking if you would like to have more of a universal appeal, you could say God or the universe kind of Water thing. Down and I looked at him, I tapped his leg past him, I said, man, go get the car. We out. And she was like, you're not going to consider it? I said, that's the same thing that got me in front of you. Like, What kind of sense do that make? No, I'm okay. I'm going to keep my creative control. I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And bro, and I was in a position where I needed it. No, I, I, I feel
0: matter, yeah. <laughs> matter of fact, just no, I, as a, a, a segue to another question about to wrap up. Okay. Um, I remember Smokey Robinson said one time it was on some, you know, show radio TV one or something like that. Mm-hmm. They had asked him, we say, Hey, you know, the, the, African-Americans have contributed so much to the music scene. I mean, we created, you know, rap, jazz, blues, you know, rock and roll, rock low and key. Roll, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we a, we built America in yeah. way more ways than one. We just haven't got our full credit. Mm-hmm. He said, well, what would you attribute that to? You know, I know that some people, you know, come from the church. He said, I would subscribe that 95% mm-hmm. of notable African-American musicians that you know in, you know, pop culture, mm-hmm. uh, secular, you know, music mm-hmm. started from the church given that great preponderance Mm -hmm. of talent skill, dare I say anointing because mm-hmm. you can listen to a joke, if they can sing they can sing, you know, Jasmine Sullivan can sing, yeah. Fantasia can Thanks. sing, yeah. you know, Jodeci Joke of this, yeah. they can sing and then move them chords down, down, yeah. you know yeah. you, you know, it's, 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 he got you moving like this, that's you know, <laughs> that's the anointing that destroys the joke, so what has been the challenge with the allure mm-hmm. of the Atlantics, the Universal records, mm-hmm. the, the need of hey bruh, big bank take little bank yeah. what has been the pull for so many to go that route mm-hmm. juxtaposed against folks like you that's you know what, I'm gonna resist going there and I'm gonna still do this, you know Frank Sinatra, my way yeah what do you say to that?
1: It's really an indication of a generation of people who are either a ignorant to the fact that This business is 90% business and 10% talent. Mm -hmm. Um, Or is it's ignorance of people who who refuse to do the legwork. They refuse to read. When we've had our ancestors be killed for the ability to read, Mm -hmm. they refuse to not read and understand. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, it's the difference between taking the elevator and taking the stairs. Certain people want to get to the top floor like that, but sometimes there's some things that you learn while you taking the stairs that the elevator, those lessons cannot provide, you know. Cardiovascular breathing, hello, exercise, yeah, strong five, yeah, uh, you know. Uh, endurance, persistence, yeah. you know. it's certain things you learn while you taking the stairs. And guess what? At the end of the day, we're going to wind up in the same place anyway. Yeah, but yeah. I'm going to arrive there on my terms. Gotcha. And if I ever need to, like, leave or maneuver around, I don't have to wait. For that elevator to say, okay, I'm open, you know, okay, yeah, it's good to get on. No, I'm just going to get up and go when it's time. You know what I'm saying? And also, it's the difference between reality and appearance. A lot of people, they have the notoriety, but a lot of independent artists are making more a lot of times than the signed artists because you have to break down percentages, share this money with this. You have no control over your imaging. You have no control over your uh, creativity. It belongs to someone else. But over here, as an independent artist, you can say what you want, but if we do a comparison... Oh, that bag is mine. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan
0: Leslie, man, I think was on yes. um the Breakfast Club. Shout out Breakfast Club. Shout out Ryan Leslie. Yeah. And he was talking about, hey, man... You know when I became an in, in when I decided to just roll independently, mm-hmm. there were some things that I got a chance to do financially yeah. that wouldn't that wasn't the same when I was with you know like a mm-hmm. label mm-hmm. such yeah. as I could you know make my record do my little studio time yep. send out Text messages Or some social media thing so To people who fun. dig me yeah. yeah Through that joint Get my text message My, text, my phone number out mm. And fans that really Really dig me yeah. Let's say it was just You know 10,000 or 40,000 mm. I ain't gotta go platinum yep. I can just get them I come to their town Wherever That's they right. were Do a concert yep. They come Bring a friend or two yes, sir. And all those proceeds those Go to me I ain't gotta take points Off of this album or CD And yep. sp- I ain't gotta take The advantage. From the record coming in, pay it back, yep. you know, with this interest and all this kind of stuff. Yes, all of the profits are mine. Yes, and sir, so sir. I'm sure you look to folks like him and mm-hmm. Master P when he was selling stuff out of his, you Definitely. know, trunk as. Yeah. These are the examples of it can be done. So I'm going to focus in on what types of uh, things can I mimic Mm -hmm. from what they did that were successful to bring my success and coin, Mm -hmm. you know, to pass as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. P was definitely a a huge um, influence. Uh, Orlando Draper of Suave House Records. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I saw how those guys moved as independent moguls. And I'm like, man, you know what? They're maintaining their credibility. They're putting out quality product and they are the ones in control of the ship. Yeah, I, I like that more than, respectfully, the MC Hammer story, gotcha. where it's like he's the biggest star on the planet and yeah. then all of a sudden you look up and $30 million is gone. It's yeah. like, okay, so I'm learning what to do, what not to do, you know? And I, I think even more current, One of the guys that influenced me a lot as far as his business model is um, Nipsey Hussle. Very intelligent brother, very connected to the street, you know, um, but his business mind is one of the things that really intrigued me. And when I see that somebody has that kind of mindset, him, Russ, a rapper named Russ, different independent artists. I listen to their interviews more than I listen to their music because the interviews is really where the gems is being dropped. The music is just a vehicle to reach the masses. Yeah, that's where the information is. Yeah, so I listen to a lot of documentaries. I watch a lot of documentaries, and I listen to a lot of interviews because they're giving a blueprint on how to be successful as independent artists in those.
0: Nice, nice. Well, last two questions for you, man. You know, One, what do you want your musical-slash-personal legacy to to, to be?
1: I want my personal legacy to be that... um, I was a servant, you know, I was a servant. I was willing to help when I could. I was present when I could be. And I was as effective um, as I should have been while I was here on this earth, you know. And, um, you know, to be honest, man, I I feel like I got my second win. I feel like I'm just now really getting started. Okay. You know, I'm just really kind of like uh, tapping into what it is, the like the fullness of it, of what I'm supposed to be doing while I'm here. So um, even though I've been here for a while, I'm just now getting started. So, yeah, I ain't going nowhere, man. So we ain't, we ain't seen nothing yet. Nah, <laughs> man, you know, sit back, man. Keep the cameras rolling. You finna see something you ain't never seen before in your life. You know what I'm saying? Word yeah. up.
0: Well, folks that want to, you know, get in contact with you or book you for shows and stuff like that, what what's your? how do they contact you?
1: You can go to my website, dhmusic.com, D-A-Y-C-H, music.com and uh you can send uh over you know whatever proposals you have uh, and the team will make sure i get it asap uh or you can contact me personally on ig dh music on ig d a y c h music on ig um yeah or you can uh email me dh music 11 at yahoo d a y c h the word music uh, the number 11 at Yahoo, and that's how we receive all of our proposals for upcoming shows and things like that.
0: Excellent, excellent. Hey, man, this has been an excellent show. Lots of great information and wisdom. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, thank you for Coming this opportunity, in. man. Hey, my pleasure, yeah. bruh. My pleasure. It's been a, a joy having you on the show, you know, today. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, folks, that uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much for listening in on today. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to The Communication Guru Podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast. Also, be on the lookout for the Morning Tempspiration Vlog, which are inspirational words of encouragement that can put some wind behind yourselves. They can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And finally, if you have a communication issue that you need assistance with, be it personal, organizational, relational, or business, and would like a free 15 to 30 minute consultation or discovery session, feel free to DM me at Tim McMurtry on LinkedIn or Facebook or at Mr. Tim on Instagram. With the brief description of your issue, we can go ahead and rap about it and see what I and the organization can do to help you to get through that particular challenge. So thanks so much again for your viewership and listenership. Until next time, blessing and increase to you. Man.